On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about the sponsoring church. What are you talking about there? I think we might have some of our listeners confused because we got some feedback. People didn't exactly know what we were talking about, but it's really an important thing. And it particularly applies to churches of Christ and how some churches of Christ are organizing to do work, evangelistic work, benevolent work. Uh, we think it's uh, an unscriptural plan. But we want to talk about it tonight, the sponsoring church arrangement. And this is part of a bigger discussion about authority for the things that we do as a congregation and individually. Do we have authority for the way that we operate and the, the things that we do? That comes into question in this uh, discussion as well. God has a plan for the church and how it's to do its work. And, and we've, we're very concerned that... A lot of congregations are not carefully following the pattern that the Word of God sets forth. We're going to talk about that on the discussion. It'll be very important. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study gets started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, July 11th, 2019. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Glad that you're here. And uh, Kyle's here behind the board. Kyle, it's welcome. It's good to be here. Glad to hear Kyle. And uh, glad that you're on the other end of the line. Look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. In the chat room to the bottom of your video feed tonight, if you're watching us live, Send your comments in there. If you're watching us in the podcast, a lot of people are. You know, it's the summer season. A lot of things going on. Uh, it's still daylight in a lot of places. Most places, I guess, that yeah. could be listening. It's still light outside. Maybe you're outside catching late, uh, fireflies with the, with the kids. Mowing the grass. Mowing the grass. Uh, just sitting on the back porch enjoying the sunset. Yeah. Uh, you didn't get to listen to it, but you're catching it on your way to work maybe on Friday morning. A lot of people tell me they do that. Yeah. So, But we still want to hear from you. If you yeah. got, if you disagree with something you hear or you just have a question or maybe you just agree. Some positive feedback. <clears throat> maybe just want to say, hey, I listened to the program on my way to work Friday and appreciate it. We take that too. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com at any time. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Jacob, uh, we have got to really be pushing. Now, by the way, we took a week off last week, which is a very, mm-hmm. very rare occurrence on the virtual Bible study. It was th- last Thursday was July the 4th. We figured everybody would be watching fireworks rather than thinking about the virtual Bible study. So we decided we might take the night off too so we did we took a little vacation one one uh uh listener wrote in and chided and say i've known you to do the virtual bible study on christmas day and on thanksgiving and and yet you're taking off for fourth of july and then he he laughed and said you know everybody deserves a day off but uh, a, a rare occurrence so uh, it's been two weeks so we haven't had a chance to do two things one is to sort of celebrate the beginning of our 15th year of the virtual bible study right. right at this time 15 uh well yeah i guess 15 years ago right at this time 15 years ago uh we started uh, the virtual bible study at that time it was an audio only broadcast over the internet we've certainly come a, a long way technology wise but we hope we're still teaching the same truths that we began teaching 
15 years ago. We were audio only then, and we were worried that we Well, were, it was actually 14 years. It was in 05, was it yeah, not? It was 14 years ago. So this, 14, is, so this is beginning the 15th year. We've done 14 years. So 14 years in a can. But we were worried that we would have, most listeners were still, a lot of people were still on dial-up 14 years yeah, ago. We yeah. thought, well, they won't have enough bandwidth to even hear it. And so we had to, we took the, the quality of the sound way down. Yeah. And to try and squeak it out, because we were wanting to be on the radio. That radio was still hot back then. And the radio wouldn't have us, basically. So we said, we'll do it on the Internet. And, well, things have changed. So so we've concluded 14 full years, and we're starting into our 15th year uh, this month. So uh, that's sort of a milestone for us, and we we appreciate all the support and encouragement we've received by so many over the years. So thank you, and uh, we'll try to keep going with the virtual Bible study. Yeah. Lord willing. Maybe send us a message and just tell us uh, when you started. How listening. long you've been listening? How long you've been listening to the Virtual Boss Day? Yeah. Anybody out there that's got 14 years in it? Now we do have listeners who weren't here with us 14 years ago, but they went back and listened to all. Yeah, we've had some listeners tell us they went back and listened to every art, every program in the archives, and so that's great. All right. So now, enough of that, that. that point one. Point two is that now less than two weeks away is our community Bible study here in Columbia, Tennessee. So it's not next Monday, but the Monday following, Monday and Tuesday, July 22nd and 23rd. Uh, we're having our ninth annual community Bible study here in Columbia. We go to a municipal auditorium near, near downtown, uh, and it's called the Memorial Building. And it's easy to find. It's two blocks west of the downtown, uh, courthouse square, yeah. uh, on West 7th Street, the Memorial Building. Uh, we've been using that venue for several years now. So we'll be on Monday and Tuesday night, July 22nd, 23rd. Our theme for study this year is God, family, country. Our speaker is going to be Wilson Adams. Wilson preaches in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Really a good public speaker. And I think you'll, you'll really appreciate the message that he has to bring. Keeping God in our families, keeping God in our country. Some really important applications. We think it's a really timely subject. Very much needed. Uh, and uh, so we hope that if you are anywhere close uh, in driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, come and join us Monday the 22nd, Tuesday the 23rd for the Community Bible Study here in Columbia at the Memorial Building on West 7th Street. 7 o'clock, Monday and Tuesday. More information on our website on the homepage there. Uh, yeah, exactly right. And if you need more information, uh, give us a call anytime or send us an email. And um, maybe you'd look, like to come to the community Bible study with a car that's sporting a new virtual Bible study. Bumper, we we bumper get sticker. you a bumper sticker. We can get you a bumper sticker <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah, Just send us your snail mail address to questions at com, and we'll get you a bumper sticker. We've got a couple, uh, got a couple riding around the roads of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's great. Now, so appreciate those up there. So, yeah, help us uh, get the word out. And then one more thing, uh, as we're doing a little housekeeping here, we were off last week. We'll remind you again uh, that we are live streaming our Bible studies and worship services now, not on the YouTube channel that you're currently watching. We have two YouTube channels. One is for the virtual Bible study. The other is for our live stream of our worship service and Bible study. It's College View. Remember, College View spelled funny. College View live stream. You can search for that on YouTube, or you can go to our homepage, collegeview.com, and find the link there to our YouTube channel. All right. And uh, Kyle is trimming those down, and you can watch the sermons after. If you want to watch it live, you see the whole thing. 
But Kyle cuts out the uh, everything but the sermon that's after it. that's over, and so you can watch those sermons. A real good video archive. And, and by the way, if you're not within a driving now, we're not going to excuse you. If you're within a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, we want to see you in person at the community Bible study. But if you're farther away, we will be Lord willing live streaming those two sessions on the 22nd, 23rd. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. So check that out, and uh, there's something Kyle and I have been needing to talk to you about, uh, your makeup, whoever's yeah, doing your makeup. Yeah, uh, might need to do a little better job on the makeup. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see about that. Uh, okay. All right. All right. So let's get to business here on, uh, on our uh, study for tonight, the the sponsoring church arrangement. I, I sent out earlier today to our update list, reminding you, get on our list. If you're not, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Say, put me on the list. If you were on our list, you got these questions earlier today. What is the sponsoring church arrangement? You know, that very question, I think, confused a lot of people. That's that's terminology that a lot of people are not familiar with. This is a topic that is sort of specific to churches of Christ. And so if you're a member of some other church, you, you attend a denomination of one sort or another, you probably never heard that, that terminology. Now, that's fine. We'll explain it. What's sad, though, is that this has been a point of division among some churches of Christ, and yet a lot of brethren don't now have forgotten what it even is or what it's about. So we want to define the sponsoring church arrangement. And I asked, do you know of or can you provide actual examples of this, method, of this methodology being employed by churches of Christ? Number two, is the sponsoring church arrangement authorized in the New Testament? Number three, how does this arrangement affect local church autonomy and independence? Number four, what limitations exist concerning the oversight of elders? How does this reflect on the sponsoring church arrangement? And finally, what is the New Testament pattern for, pattern for churches working in the areas of evangelism and benevolence? All right. Uh, send us your comments tonight. Sign in the chat room and chat with our listeners there. Now, before we get started, I think we need to lay the groundwork here. And that is that we need to go back to the Bible for everything that we believe and practice. If we don't, and I was talking with someone about this earlier today. If we don't go to the Bible and say we've got biblical precedent, we've got biblical authority, we've got biblical support for the way that we're going to operate, if we don't do that in everything that we do, we can't demand that for anything. That's right. If if you allow me to do something that I can't demonstrate is biblical, that it's not scriptural, it's not being done scripturally, but you let me do it, you let me do one thing. Yeah then I can't turn around and forbid you to do something else that you want to do, and the door is wide open. Yeah. So uh, the, the only stopping place is to stop with the Bible. If we if we go beyond the Bible, if we do things that are not authorized in the Scripture, then then there's there's really it's there's there's no in, there's no stopping place. And this is the formula for religious unity. There's so much div- division in the religious world today. The formula for religious unity is for us to agree on a common standard. And that common standard can't be what I think, what seems best to me. If that's what it breaks down to, then we're going to be divided because obviously we have different opinions. My opinion is different than yours and different than the next guy. It, it has to be, the common standard has to be the word of God. We have to say, okay, what we're going to do, we're all going to agree that we will do what the Bible says and we'll follow the pattern that's in the Bible. And if it's not there, we won't do it. And if we'll agree to that, then all of the division in the religious world is gone. We have the unity that Jesus prayed that his disciples would have. Yep. 
So it's that important. That's why. So this is one. This is one aspect of that. But it's part of this bigger overall picture that we've got to have Bible authority for everything that we do, teach, and practice. I think you're exactly right. All right. All right. So let's let's uh, for all who seemed to be, to be confused about what we were asking about. Uh, let's go to a chart. Kyle, I hope you can get that chart up on the screen. Got a little chart that, that illustrates what is the sponsoring church arrangement. And so the idea is that a number of in, small, independent, local congregations are pretty limited, maybe, in what they're able to do. Yeah. But somebody says, we need to do a bigger work. We need to do something bigger than what an individual congregation is going to do. And so in order to facilitate this, a congregation, we'll call it Congregation X, Mm -hmm. the eldership of Congregation X says, we're going to be the sponsoring church for a big plan to evangelize Outer Timbuktu. We're going to take the gospel to outer Timbuktu, but it's going to be an expensive proposition. And we don't think any one church is going to be able to accomplish this big job. And so we are going to take on the responsibility of being the overseeing church. We'll be the overseeing elders. As elders of Congregation X, we will appoint ourselves as the sponsoring church of this special work. And what we will ask is that congregations will send money to us. Uh, all these, other, so on, on the little visual that you see there on your screen, church A, B, C, D, and E, send money. They may send a little or a lot, but they send money to congregation X with the understanding that congregation X, the eldership of congregation X are going to be the overseers of this special mission work to take the gospel to wherever. Wherever. Mm -hmm. And so the eldership of Congregation X then makes the decisions to support Preacher A, Preacher B, Preacher C, uh, to engage program number one, program number two, program number three. But the the oversight and decision-making lies with the eldership of Congregation X. uh, Churches A, B, C, D, and E have surrendered their oversight to those elders, they have sent their money to that congregation. That congregation is the sponsoring church. They are the sponsoring church of this specific work. It may be a work of evangelism, or it may be work a, a work of benevolence, but this church is the sponsoring church. And I hope that that little graphic that I put together does a, a reasonable job of, of illustrating what we're talking about tonight. As I said, it seemed like there were a number of people who were rather confused. What are we talking about sponsoring church arrangement? Well, that picture is the sponsoring church arrangement. Now, what we're going to do is we we want to analyze whether that is a scriptural plan or a scriptural methodology. There's no question that it's being done. And when we get back from this break, Jacob, I want to give some illustrations. I want to give some examples. For years, I've been keeping a file uh, we receive letters, mailers. We receive, we receive requests from congregation X's. They would like us to be church A, B, C, D, E. They're asking us to send them money so they can accomplish these jobs. So I've got some illustrations, uh, examples that I want to share when we get back from this. So break. they've got a vision of some work that they want to do. They've got some passion for. Yeah. And, and, and we will see that they, they acknowledge they can't do it on their own. It's a bigger job than they're able to do so, on their own. So they have this big idea. They can't support it. 
of themselves. So they ask other churches to send them money so that they can do it. Yeah. Now, on the surface, that seems like a fairly reasonable idea. It's not how I would do things maybe in business. If I had a, I've got an idea, I want to open a restaurant, but I don't have the means to do that. I so might, you bring in partners. I might bring in partners. And say, or just investors. You might investors. just get investors. Yeah, not, yeah. So, so you send me money, and I'm going to do this, and I will together we can accomplish this task of, of creating a restaurant. Seems reasonable on the surface. Is it something that's scriptural? We're going to talk about that. In the chat room, Jared says a sponsoring church arrangement is when multiple churches send money to a single church to do a work. And so Jared yeah. is on, on, on board. board. He knew what we were talking about. That's right. And guest 82, or 826 says, finally getting to catch you guys live today. I typically listen via podcast lately. Where well, are you, 826? 826. Glad that you're listening to us live. Nothing wrong with a podcast, but it's nice when you're yeah, here tell, live. Tell us where you're located, 826. We're going to get a break. And when we get back, uh, you've got some examples. And uh, so does Kent from Calhoun, Georgia. He's chimed in tonight with some examples as well. We hope you'll stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Are you sure that the Bible said something, but you just don't know where? Is your salvation based on a passage that you know is in the Bible, but when asked, you couldn't find it? Do you do things in worship, but you couldn't turn to a book, chapter, and verse to show that God wants you to do it? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to overcoming Bible Deficit Disorder in the metro area by teaching the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. You are invited to attend our worship services on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m., Join us in the fight against Bible Deficit Disorder. Attend one of our services for a healthy dose of the Bible. That's at the College View Church of Christ. Please don't give in to Bible Deficit Disorder. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, When we neither punish nor reproach evildoers, we are ripping the foundations of justice from beneath new generations. There's only one place where success comes before work, the dictionary. Too much time is wasted by people telling how busy they are. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program, and they're signing in tonight. Central Iowa, or Eastern Iowa, 826 says. And uh, we got Jared Law down in uh, Valdosta, Georgia area, Lake Park, Georgia. And Kevin Kelly's listening in Chicago, or Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Ohio. I think Kevin's moved to Ohio. I don't think he he's, we he used has, to always say Ohio. Kevin in Arkansas, but he's in, he, he's he, in Ohio, he's, and he's he a Buckeye is. now. He is. And uh, glad that you're all listening there tonight. If you want to sign in the chat room and send some other uh, locations of where you are around the country tonight, or maybe around the world, we'd love to hear from you. As we talk about the sponsoring church arrangement, again, it's that idea that one church has a vision so throw that chart up one more time, uh, Kyle, and, 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 and as, as you see this chart, then uh, let me give you some examples of, of churches operating in that exact mode. And, and now, very... so far, we're just saying this, we're identifying it. We're not saying whether it's right or wrong. We haven't proved whether it's right or wrong yet, but we're saying churches are using this methodology. They're explicitly saying this is the methodology yeah, we're using. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they lay out this chart for you in their <laughs> yeah. request for support. Okay. For years, uh, some of our listeners probably know that for years uh, I preached in Knoxville, Tennessee, where the University of Tennessee is. Jacob grew up there in Knoxville. And uh, uh, so I had in my files, I had a number of mailers from the Christian Student Center uh, on or near the, the UT campus in Knoxville. 
Uh, just let me read part of this. The Christian Student Center reflects the concern of Churches of Christ for students at the University of Tennessee. It is part of a vital campus ministry for Christ, which is no, sponsored by the Laurel Church of Christ under the oversight of the elders of this local congregation. So there's no doubt about it. It's it's sponsored. There, there's that word, sponsoring. Who's the sponsoring church? Laurel Church of Christ. Who's overseeing under the oversight of the elders of this local congregation? So they're they're the sponsoring church, and the elders are the overseers of this work. But notice, here's a letter from them. We're calling upon congregations across the state of Tennessee to respond to an urgent need. We need to raise over $150,000 in the next three years. Uh, and so they were wanting to... Obviously, do some work on their students. That was center, a long but, time ago. That's that's not that would be a whole lot more money now. But but get the point. I mean, they exactly said what what that chart that illustrated. That. that was that chart right there. We're the sponsoring church. We want churches A B C D E. Those are churches across Tennessee to support us or to give us money so we can do this work to the order of one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, uh, Mac Lyon. Uh, is a preacher, uh, and I think his name probably recognized by some of our listeners. Uh, uh, and for a number of years, he has been, uh, and I don't know if he still is, or, but has been for years, uh, the speaker on a TV program called In Search of the Lord's Way. In Search of the Lord's Way. Uh, here's some information from that in search of the Lord's way. It says the search program is produced with the oversight of the elders of the Church of Christ. Edmond, Oklahoma, on East 9th Street in Edmond, Oklahoma, and is presented by sister congregations or on stations in their local areas. So notice, this is, this is a program, and it's under the oversight of the elders of the Church, uh, Church of Christ on East 9th Street in Edmond, Oklahoma. Here's a letter from them. They're asking every contributing, oh, oh excuse me, every contributing congregation receives a monthly financial report and an update letter. So they're the overseers. You send us your money. We'll report back to you, but you send us your money, we will oversee it. Again, we haven't said if it's right or wrong yet. We're just showing you how it how it's set up. Here's a letter from a, a, a preacher seeking support for his preaching work. Um, he wanted to be he wanted to preach in Mascot, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, how, what was he going to? Was he going to be like a beaver or a, no? No, I don't know. Okay. There, you know where mascot is. You've been is. to mascot, uh, Tennessee. Yeah, uh, so, uh, but attached to his letter asking for support is a letter from the church in Maryville, Tennessee, which says, "Brother White, in our regular elders meeting, we decided to sponsor you in the mascot work by receiving contributions from your supporters and sending you the amount received each month." Instruct your supporters to send checks to the Maryville Church of Christ. Uh, they're the overseeing elders. They're the sponsoring church of this preacher who's preaching in another location. They're a sponsoring church. Uh, a while back, there was a big campaign to get the, the gospel message into every home in America. It was called Project USA Today. They wanted to put ads in the USA Today newspaper. Uh, and so in sending out, obviously, that's going to be a pretty expensive proposition. And here's what the people said. No single congregation could support this efforts on its own, nor should it. The Maple Hill Church of Christ in Lebanon, Tennessee, is sponsoring this effort. Send correspondence to Project USA Today, 
Maple Hill Church of Christ, Lebanon, Tennessee. Okay. They're the sponsoring church. <clears throat> way back in 1982, way back in the files, 1982, there was a World's Fair in Knoxville, Tennessee. And the Churches of Christ had a booth at the World's Fair site in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, here's from their flyer at that time. The Churches of Christ World's Fair exhibition is being developed under the supervision of the elders of the Laurel Church of Christ. That's the same church we were talking about earlier. So it's being developed under the supervision of the elders of the Laurel Church of Christ in Knoxville with help of sister congregations and individuals throughout the world. Uh, in addition to reaching the lost with the gospel, this exhibit is bringing congregations of the Lord Church closer together in a great new vision and purpose. Okay. The World's Fair. Memphis School of Preaching. The Memphis School of Preaching is a work of the Knight Arnold Church of Christ and is under the oversight of the elders of the Knight Arnold Church of Christ. However, the magnitude of this work, this is a, this is a, an effort to train preachers. The magnitude of the work is such that no one congregation has the finances to carry on this great work alone. Uh, although Knight Arnold Church of Christ puts more than $300,000 per year into the operation of the school, it simply does not have the financial ability to carry the load of the school alone. Therefore, other faithful congregations and individuals assist in this work in a financial way. All right. One more. Here's one from right here near us in Middle Tennessee. This is the Marshall County Tent Meeting. Okay. They have an annual Marshall County Tent Meeting. It's an effort of the Churches of Christ throughout Marshall County under the oversight of the Church Street Church of Christ in Lewisburg. So it is it is an effort of the Churches of Christ, but it's under the oversight of the Church Street, which is a large congregation in Lewisburg, which is the county seat of Marshall County. But that's what they're doing. There, there's another example of the sponsoring church arrangement at work. All right. So what about the sponsoring church? Here's what Rick says in the chat room. Rick, thanks for signing in uh, tonight. He says, it is an unscriptural arrangement where congregations send to one overseeing congregation for what should be their own work under their elders. Oversight is then vested in the receiving church in violation of the New Testament teaching regarding uh, local church autonomy. The Herald of Truth radio program is an example. World Radio is another. The arrangement is completely unscriptural. There is no New Testament precept, necessary inference, or apostolic example of one church sending to another church to preach the gospel. That's along the lines of what Kent said in his email. The sponsoring church arrangement consists in the eldership of a singular local church taking oversight of a particular work or works that to which a plurality of local churches is equally related. Or yeah, are equally rated. This is a type. This is a type of situation exists where a plurality of local churches contribute to one local church to accomplish the work of a plurality of churches. Two prominent examples of such an arrangement would be Gospel Broadcasting Network and Polishing the Pulpit. Yeah. All right. I think I think Kit is exactly right about it. Jeff in the chat room says Mac Lyon. I've mentioned him as being on that program in search of the Lord's way. He's passed away. I thought maybe he had. I didn't remember for sure. Philip Sanders. Phil Sanders is now the host of Sir In Search. And then Kevin says, um, overreaching elders is what led to the foundation of the Catholic Church. One eldership putting themselves over more and more churches than one elder putting themselves above another elder. Corrupt ambitions of men seeking their own agenda rather than simply maintaining the local church autonomy. I think he's exactly right. He also he asked the question just above that, Jacob. Where did we ever read about sister congregations, book, chapter, and verse? I, that we, we read that terminology several times in, the, in those in those examples, but he, he's wondering where do we find the, the, the terminology sister congregations? I suppose it's accommodative, but it's not biblical. Okay. 
Um, uh, Jeff Brown says you can add GBN. That's the Gospel Broadcasting Network. That's what Kent was talking about. And Tennessee Bible College in Cookville, Tennessee, to that list, too. I don't know. I, I think GBN for sure. I don't know how Tennessee Bible College does it works, but but I wouldn't. I, I, I'm, I'm suspecting that you are right, Jeff, that it is also. I think it is probably under the oversight of a local congregation in Cookville and other congregations send money to them to oversee that work. I think you're probably exactly right. All right. Why don't we go ahead and get a break? We've already sort of uh, given away our understanding of this top this subject and uh, is alignment with a lot of our listeners tonight in the chat room and in email that this is not a scriptural arrangement when we get back we need to talk about why we believe that exactly right again we're looking at this uh, with the lens of hey if we're going to do something it needs to be authorized in the bible because if we say well we're going to do this because it seems like a good idea then that opens up the door for anything uh, you can do anything you want if it's just if that's the parameter that you have to operate within is that, well it seems like a good idea it seems reasonable I don't have a problem with it then you open the door to anything what we've got to do again if we want to be unified is come back and say okay we're only going to do what the scriptures authorize what we have we have uh, some precedent in the scriptures for what we have support from the scriptures for yes we know this is authorized by God and God approves of it and we're going to go to the Bible we're going to let that be our sole guide if we'll all play by that rule then we will be unified. And so what we're going to talk about when we get back is, what does this, what does this Bible say about this arrangement? Is it authorized? Is it scriptural? Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this week's bullet point. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Free pizza, clowns, hot air balloon rides, You name it, and some religious group has tried it as a scheme to draw folks to their services. These things are fun. Who wouldn't like to play ball, eat good food, and be entertained? But here's the problem. These things all appeal to the carnal man and seek to satisfy his earthly desires. Instead of these, the Lord has made the church the, quote, pillar and ground of the truth, 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, and has designed its work and authorized its activities, quote, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, Ephesians 4, verse 12. The church, if it is following God's plan, is working to build stronger spiritual men, not better softball players. When we challenge the fun food and games crowd to justify their practices from the scripture, they usually refer to Jesus feeding the multitudes with loaves and fishes. They conclude that these examples demonstrate how Jesus fed the physical man to make an opportunity to feed the spiritual man. Read John 6, beginning verse 5. Sorry, folks, that won't work. Keep reading. When the people came to Jesus the next day, he perceived that they came for more free food. He rebuked them and told them they ought to be seeking spiritual things rather than carnal ones. He did not feed them. As a result, many stopped following him, but no food was offered to draw them back again. Carnal appeals do not lead to true conversion, and they are not authorized. The gospel is the, quote, power of God unto salvation, Romans 1, verse 16. Let's use it. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We want to hear from you at any time. Questions at collegeview.com is the way you would get in touch with us. Check out our website for information about our upcoming community Bible study about a week and a half away now. And, um, well, you'll want to be there if you can. And uh, we're talking about the sponsoring church arrangement tonight. Is it scriptural? 
and what does the Bible say about the arrangement? All right, we believe it's an unscriptural way, uh, an unscriptural method, an unscriptural organization of churches attempting to do a work. Now, understand, we are not necessarily disputing the 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 um, the value of a job to be done. In other words, so there's a preacher to be sent to Outer Timbuktu. We think the gospel should go to Outer Timbuktu. We're not, so we're not. We're not necessarily disputing every work that's trying to be accomplished, although we might have some questions about some of those works. We're not, we're not right at this point. We're not arguing about, about the work to be done. We, we, we could talk about that later. We're, right here, we're talking about the method of trying to accomplish a work of evangelism or a work of benevolence. And we're saying that to organize congregations by the sponsoring church arrangement is not scriptural. It is simply without authority. And I think Rick in the chat room already pointed this out. There's just simply no command, no approved example, nothing that would provide necessary inference that this is a way that God wants us to work. Uh, and the question is, are we going to be committed to Bible authority or not? We're going to do Bible things in Bible ways. We're going to follow the patterns set forth in the Scripture. Uh, so... Uh, what what about uh, the job of evangelism? So what about taking the gospel? Maybe maybe right here in our own local community. There are a number of churches of Christ right here in our own local community. We are all interested in getting the gospel out in our local community. So let each of us do what we can in that regard. That to the, to that end, we're working to the same goal. But we're not consolidating our funds under an unscriptural oversight arrangement. And so we would call this concurrent action. That congregation is doing what they can to evangelize the community. We are doing what we can to evangelize the community. Another congregation is doing what they can to evangelize the community. And so we're, we're working concurrently to the same objective, that is to find lost souls in, in and around Columbia, Tennessee and evangelize them. That's scriptural. There's nothing wrong with that. So concurrent action is uh, is certainly authorized. Each congregation doing its own work. Our problem is that there there's no example of churches consolidating after the methodology of the sponsoring church arrangement that we have been illustrating. There's no command that would authorize it. There's no examples of churches ever doing that. The churches of the first century had the same obstacles we have. Uh, the gospel needed to go to the whole world and they were small independent congregations, but they were able to accomplish that job without consolidating in an unscriptural way. In Colossians one verse 23, it says they'd taken the gospel to all the world at that time. And so they worked concurrently. They each did what they could to get the job done of spreading the gospel throughout the world of that day. We can do the same. There's no example of churches ever collectivizing after the manner of the of the sponsoring church arrangement now the interesting thing is that all churches are equal when it comes to evangelism all churches are equally obligated in the matter of evangelism so it is it is our job to do everything that we can god expects us to do all that we can he does not expect us to do more than we can but if you remember some of those examples of the sponsoring church arrangement, we had local churches taking on a job 
admittedly bigger than they were able to manage. So God doesn't expect us to do that, doesn't authorize us to take on a job bigger than we're capable of accomplishing. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. The email address Kent used as he responded today, asking the question, is it scriptural? He says, no, it is not. One cannot find a direct statement, implication, nor example of such an arrangement. So, again, we're going to go back to the Bible, and we're going to say we've got biblical support for this activity. We would have to find a direct statement, an implication, or an example of such an arrangement. Kent says we can't find such an arrangement, so... Uh, we would say it's not authorized and should be avoided. Yeah. Now, if we're gonna if we're gonna go beyond the Bible in doing this, and and you would have to do that, I think I think you'd have to admit that to to go to this sponsoring church plan is to go beyond what the Bible says to do. It goes beyond the pattern set forth in the Scripture. It's something that men dreamed up. The Bible never speaks of this sponsoring church arrangement. It's something that men invented. Now think about that. That reflects upon the wisdom of God. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says that the, the, the church is a part of the manifold wisdom of God. God never planned for a sponsoring church arrangement. Men did. And so basically men are saying, we think we've got a better plan. We think we can improve upon the plan that God set forth. God just probably didn't think this thing through thoroughly. Uh, he didn't realize that this is going to be a big, 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 big task, and we're going to need to we're need to going to need to consolidate our efforts. Uh, we're going to improve upon the plan that God had for local churches doing their own thing. We're going to have a sponsorship. I don't know. I don't know about everybody who's listening, but I would not want to be in those shoes of saying I got a better plan than God had. All right, you know so. It, it does. It, it is not supported in the scriptures by a command saying, "Hey, this is how when we get churches set up here, here's how I want them to work." God didn't say to do this. He didn't give us a command. He didn't give us an example. Well, we don't we don't read back in the book of Acts of, "Hey, the church at Jerusalem, they were pulling all their money so that they could have lots of uh, funds uh, available and they could get preachers out on the street during Pentecost." A lot of people are coming into Jerusalem on Pentecost that need the gospel. Uh, but and so what we're going to do is we're going to have this. No, they did, there was no example of that. There's no inference to that. That's what they were doing. And so it's without biblical support. No Bible authority. And and when we go beyond Bible authority and think we've come up with a scheme better than we read in the Bible, we're we're very presumptuously assuming that our wisdom is greater than God's. So we're doing things without authority. But beyond that, beyond the fact that we don't have support from the Bible to do it, this arrangement violates direct commands and instructions from the scriptures. It, it violates explicit yeah, we're, instructions. We're going to see that when we talk about the limitation of elders' oversight here in a minute. All right. But I, I, I want to go back in the chat room to something that Kevin said in the chat room, that this, this arrangement is actually the beginning of a corruption that led to such things as the Roman Catholic Church. He, he spelled it out this way. Overreaching elders is what led to the foundation of the Catholic Church. One eldership putting themselves over more and more churches, then one elder putting themselves above another. Corrupt ambitions of men seeking their own agenda rather than simply maintaining the local church autonomy. Uh, I think that's exactly right. You know, so, you know, you think about that and you think about the wisdom of God in this. If you've got all the churches sending their money to one church, 
that's going to oversee the work. How many elders does it take to go off the rails before the whole message goes off the rails, before the whole work of the church goes off the rails? If, if everybody's consolidating their money into one church, one organization, one church headquarters, it only takes those few men to go off the rails and before everything goes off the rails. Exactly right. If, if the individual churches are doing their work and one church goes off the rails, the other churches are still faithful and true to the word. Exactly. Uh, and yet with this, and don't you think that that, don't you think you see the wisdom of God in that? Exactly. In fact, you can see that happening in the religious world today. Yeah. Where or, whole denominations are going astray because why their central organization went astray. And maybe it was because they were trying to appease the masses. They didn't want to take a hard line stand on what the truth of the gospel. So they soft pedaled on it a little bit, whatever the case may be. Entire denominations have gone astray because of this centralized organization that's not scriptural. And this sponsoring church arrangement opens the door to that as well. Exactly right. All right. Um, so let's just let's just sort of nail that down because I think we've 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 walked all around this point. But just to say it specifically, there's no authority for it. It it, it negatively reflects on God's wisdom, but it is clearly a violation of the autonomy and independence of local churches. Uh, Autonomy, the word autonomy means the quality or state of being autonomous, which is well, obvious. Uh, but autonomous, here's the quote, here's, here's the definition of autonomous. Independent in government, self-governing, without outside control, existing independently. That's what Webster says. So an autonomous group is one that is self-government. Self-governing, independent, has no outside control, exists independently. And that's what God, that's what God's plan was for local congregations. Uh, when we read about the organization of, of churches, they are only organized on the local level. There's no organization of congregations greater than the, the organization of a local congregation. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. So bishops or elders, deacons, members of the congregation. That's all there was. There was never a hierarchy beyond that in the first century among churches of Christ. Uh, and so we believe that churches are to be independent and self-governing or autonomous. And the sponsoring church is a violation of that because the churches are no longer independent. They're no longer governing their own affairs. Uh, the, the, the contributing churches, Kyle, if you put that, that visual back up there, the contributing churches are surrendering their oversight to the sponsoring church eldership. And so now they are not independent and self-governing. They've surrendered a part of their oversight to the sponsoring church eldership. And a question that's been asked through the years, which I think is such a worthy question, is if, if, for instance, Church A there on our chart, if Church A could send 10% of its contributions to Congregation X to do a work of evangelism, in other words, if they can surrender part of their funds and part of the oversight of their funds to another congregation to do a work why would, if you could send part, why couldn't you send all? 
Why couldn't Church A send all of their money to Congregation X and let the elders at Congregation X oversee the distribution of all of their funds? Uh, really, if you think about it, if you could send parts, you could send it all. Now, I think everybody would object to that and say, absolutely not, no way. Why not? Because whatever authorizes them to send part of their money and to surrender part of their oversight would authorize them to surrender all of their money and oversight. But the plan of God is for local churches to be independent and autonomous. All right, so... Let's, 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 let's drive that point home again about churches being independent and autonomous. You read through the New Testament. Look at the book of Acts. If you want to save yourself a little time, just read the book of Acts. Read about the churches there. And they're all independent. There is no reference at all to a centralized organization for the churches. There wasn't some type of uh, uh, parish situation. There wasn't some type of regional oversight there wasn't any kind of central organization. There certainly wasn't uh, the headquarters in Rome, the Vatican. Each church was individually autonomous, doing its work. It wasn't connected to another church. It wasn't connected to another organization. Each church was responsible for doing what God had instructed it to do. And as you said earlier, this was a safeguard against apostasy. As you said, if one congregation got off the track and went the wrong way. At least it was just limited to one congregation because they were not organically tied in any way to any other congregations. Yeah. And uh, Kevin says that in the church, in the chat room, church autonomy protects the church universal, which is counterintuitive to man's wisdom for institutions. Exactly right. Yeah, so man would say, hey, we've got to get everybody together under one centralized leadership. Well, we agree. We've got to get everybody under one central leadership. That leadership is Christ. And the, and the and his word that's the that's the leadership. There's no man-made structure underneath that. The churches are directly uh, responsible to Christ and doing his his work. Uh, Kevin agrees with your point. He says the question is a good one. Can a church allow another to usurp all or part of its their authority? Also, can a man allow his individual authority in a church to be usurped by another person, man, woman, wife, etc.? Yeah, if you can give up part of of your responsibility. As an individual or as a church, then why, why would, what would keep you from giving it all up? Two more points to go when we get back from the last break tonight as we go to the top of the hour. What limitations exist concerning the oversight of elders? Because it violates, so we say there's no authority for it. There's no support from it in, from the scriptures. Number two, it violates the, the uh, example and pattern we have of church autonomy and individuality, independence. And we're going to say, number three, that this violates the oversight rules for elders. We'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about the pattern for the New Testament church uh, as it engages in its work. Don't go anywhere. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, and Bible class teachers and all church members had strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you can always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're still trying to be a church like the church you read about in the Bible. And we're still doing the same things you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return to the way things used to be? Come and visit. See it for yourself. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 97.4% of guys say that girls can dress attractively without being immodest. 91.5% of guys say despite rampant immodesty, girls who choose to dress modestly do make a difference. 95.4% of guys say that modesty is an important quality for their future wife. 
75.6% of guys say that they have less respect for an immodest girl than for a modest one. All that information is via CovenantEyes.com. The Word of God says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 9, In like manner also, let women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program. Going to the top of the hour. We're putting in high gear now to cover the last few points we need to cover. All right. So, uh, we asked the question. Uh, let me find my questions here. We what asked the question. Ask? What question. limitations exist concerning the oversight of elders, and how does this reflect on the sponsoring church arrangement? Well, the oversight of elders is specifically limited to the church where they are. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Paul said to the elders of the church at Ephesus, so, so these were elders of a local congregation in Ephesus, Paul said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to, and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So they were to feed the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made them overseers. What were they, what were they overseers of? They were overseers of the church at Ephesus. That might not be as clear as what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. So, Notice, they were to feed the flock which is among you. The elders were limited in oversight to the local congregations where they were. Now, think about that in terms of this sponsoring church arrangement. Especially consider the the elders of the sponsoring church. What are they overseeing? They're overseeing, admittedly, we read the letters that they sent out earlier They are admittedly taking the oversight of something bigger than the work of their own local congregation. And so it is a direct violation of the authority of elders to oversee local congregations and nothing more. I would argue that the sending congregations are giving up their oversight when they surrender it to the sponsoring church elders to make decisions for them. But it is clearly a violation of the limitations divinely placed on elders. Well, Kent says, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, places a limitation upon the work that elders of a local church are to oversee. Elders are to oversee the work that is among them by its unique nature. The sponsoring church arrangement or the centralized work of local churches involves an eldership taking oversight of parts of specific works of other local churches. This places elders in a situation where they assume oversight of a work larger than the local church where they are appointed to function. All right. So thank you. For that. Yeah, I think that's right. All right. All right. Now, uh, before we run out of time, let's talk about our last question was, what is the New Testament pattern for churches working in the field of evangelism and benevolence? Now, listen carefully, because I think this is a really important point that is sometimes confusing. And I think even some of the comments in the chat room may have been uh, uh, directed toward this difference. There's a difference in the pattern for churches working in evangelism and churches working in benevolence. Uh, And I think that's an important uh, distinction to make. Um, when, When churches supported the preaching of the gospel, they always did it directly. 
for instance, uh, in the book of Philippians, Paul praises the church at Philippi because they had been involved in supporting him as he went to other places preaching the gospel. Uh, in Philippians chapter 1, he said, uh, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, verse 3, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And in chapter 4 of Philippians, he said in verse 15, You Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once again to my necessity. And so here's the church at Philippi. And they were engaged in, in a work uh, of, of evangelism. How did they do that? They had direct fellowship with the Apostle Paul while he was preaching the gospel. And that's the example that we see every place that we're able to discern how churches did their work of, of evangelism. They did it by directly supporting the, the preacher. And Jared in the chat room references Second Corinthians 11, verses 8 and 9. I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. And so he Paul was taking money not from one church, not from a sponsoring church, or some sponsoring organization, he was taking, he was getting support from multiple churches. He took, we took wages from multiple churches. All right. Now, if you think about that, now think about the reasoning behind that. Every church is equally responsible for doing evangelism, and their responsibility is at this level: what their ability allows and what their opportunity affords. So. We always say responsibility is the combination of ability and opportunity. Every congregation is equally related and equally obligated in the work of evangelism. Do all that you can. That's the rule. Don't, you're not obligated to do more than you can, but you're obligated to do all that you can. And so, it, so it's, it's not the job of congregation X more than Churches A, B, C, D, and E are our illustration. Congregation X is no more responsible for evangelism than any of those other churches are. They're all equally related to that responsibility, and each has their job to do, do it the best they can, oversee their own work. And so the sponsoring church, when it's used in the matter of evangelism, is a violation because it assumes that Congregation X has a greater responsibility than all those other churches have, and it doesn't. Each church is equally responsible. And in the New Testament, when evangelism was done, the pattern was always from the sending church directly to the work, from the sending church directly to the preacher who was in the field doing the evangelism. It's the exclusive pattern in the New Testament. There is no other. So that's the unique pattern in evangelism. Now, there's a different pattern when it comes to benevolence. Uh, for instance, in Acts chapter 11... Verse 27, it says, In these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren which dwelt at Jerusalem, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Here we have an example later in the, on Paul's third missionary journey. We know that he was going around all the churches, and he was acting as their courier, churches sending money 
to the church in Jerusalem, the needy saints of Jerusalem. So in, in matters of benevolence, we have the example of churches sending to one church, but the one church was the church where there was a need, where their need was greater than their ability. For, for instance, in, on that third missionary journey of the, of the Apostle Paul, he went around collecting funds uh, from various churches, and he was going to carry them. Uh, uh, he was the courier. He said in Romans 15, verse 25, I go to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. So Paul was collecting funds from churches. He All he was was the courier. He was collecting these funds, and he, so that these various churches were independently sending money to the church at Jerusalem where there was a great need. Now think about that. The Jerusalem church had a work to do, and it was their responsibility to take care of their needy members, but that work was too great for them. It was their unique work. Their responsibility. Their responsibility, but it was too great for them. And in that situation, these other churches sent money to that congregation. So... The pattern in benevolence is different than the pattern in evangelism because of the nature of the two situations. We just, yeah. Uh, but in evangelism, churches did. Church A sent to church X. Church B sent to church X because church X in that case was the Jerusalem church where there was a great local need. Uh, and so again, but, but you think about the, the, the receiving church was not taking on a greater work than they were able to accomplish, a greater work than was their own responsibility. They were just, they were not capable of fulfilling their own unique responsibility, and so other churches sent money to them to help them accomplish it. I guess uh, 1698, we're just about out of time, but 1698 says, We are a small congregation that received funds from several other congregations, and not once did they tell us how, when, or where to spend that money. We used it to run the congregation, preacher building, upkeep, etc. So a small church that receives funds from other churches. Well, but if if you were going to, first of all, the to pay the preacher, why don't you do it the way the Bible pattern uh, indicates? You're, those churches should should support the preacher directly. That's the way Paul was supported when he was doing the preaching work. First Corinthians chapter eleven verses eight and nine again. Paul says. I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. So that's the pattern that we'd have to go by. Again, if we're going to do everything by the pattern of the New Testament, that's the pattern we would follow. Yeah. Uh, as far as sending money to you to maintain your building, where's the Bible authority for that? You don't have to have a building. If you can't afford a building, then you, 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 you don't, you, it's not the responsibility of other churches to, to provide a building for you. There's no Bible pattern for that. There's no, there's no Bible pattern for those other churches to send money to your congregation, surrendering their oversight of their funds for you to do whatever you're doing at your local congregation. And, and they can support your preacher, and they should do so directly. They have no authority to send money to you to do any other part of the work that you're doing now, there. Again, we're not going on what we think is best or what, what we think is a good idea. We're going on the Scriptures. Again, if we don't demand scriptural authority for everything, we can't demand it for anything. And so we're saying, well, there's no scriptural authority for that. So we're going to leave that off, and we're going to do it the way that, that the scriptures authorize that we have support for. Uh, 
I was scanning back in the chat room. Kevin said earlier, the closest we can find to churches cooperating was Paul's collection for the needy saints at Jerusalem as he traveled through Asia Minor uh, and the Mediterranean. I wonder, uh, see, uh, I, I wonder if some might think they can extend this model without looking to the details. This to some might look to, to, to be an example. This collection might be a worthy future discussion. Well, again, I hope we explain that. That was an act of benevolence. That, uh, wherein the need was existing specifically in Jerusalem, and and so there's a pattern for churches to send to where there is a local need. Church to church contributions did happen, and we can follow that pattern too. In cases where there's unique need in a specific local congregation, uh, such as existed at at Jerusalem. All right, so we're out of time. We may not have tied up all the loose ends. If you've got uh a question or a comment about something you've heard, we'd welcome you to send us an email, questions at collegeu.com. We can have more discussions about this with you privately. We can have the discussions here on the program, and maybe we can continue the discussion uh, later time if you've got other things you think that we need to consider here. Uh, but, again, we've got to be committed to what the Scriptures authorize yeah. and uh, and doing things the way that the Scriptures have. We have examples in the Scriptures of, and this is, we believe, the Scriptures are very clear on how, churches are to be operating exactly right kyle i haven't heard from you all night uh thoughts from that side of the room tonight uh, it's a it is kind of worrying that uh some churches even uh what we call conservative churches don't know this or uh, I, I encourage people to look up uh, church history or the churches of the division of uh the churches of christ it's just a it's an excellent study and there are Preachers who can come to you and your church, and they can talk to you there if you need to. And, and, and churches, as you were as you're suggesting there, Kyle, there there's been division among churches of Christ over this very thing. Uh, again, a lot of people I think are not even informed about it anymore, don't even recognize the terminology. But this very thing, this sponsoring church arrangement, has caused division among churches of Christ. All right, so. Maybe you disagree with us. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. We'd love to hear from you. We don't. We don't. We're not going to. If someone disagrees with us, we're not going to be mad. We're not going to shy away from that discussion. We do think we, that we can come to an agreement if we'll openly study the scriptures together. Exactly right. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks. Appreciate you being here on the program. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.